Welcome to a special episode of the Elite Selling Podcast. We are your hosts, Frankie and Griffin. Today, no guest. We are just Frankie and Griffin and our listeners. Got a special episode today. Frankie and I were chatting and wanted to focus on, you know, 10 years ago, 9, 10 years ago when we were both getting into sales, we were having a conversation about the things that we wish we knew getting into sales. Me starting my career, fresh face, little baby face at Barracuda, Frankie at Cisco in the uh, onboarding program. What we wish we knew getting into sales that would have made a difference for us in our career. Uh, so this is a special episode. Shout out to anybody getting into sales or anyone that, again, just is starting out or earlier in their career that, um, yeah, wants to learn more. So Frankie, I want to kick it over to you for number one. We'll go We'll go 10 things. You pick your five. I've got my five. And we'll go back and forth. And, and let's put this list together, man. What'd you, what's, what's number one? What do you wish you knew? Let's do it. All right. So my first one is systems slash habits are more important than goals. And I say that especially in sales because every single year you get handed a big fat quota from your manager, from your leadership, and you stare at that number and I had a mentor actually at Cisco tell me, he said, you get one day to complain and cry and whine about your quota, but then you got to put it in the drawer and you got to go to work. And that's something that stuck with me 10 years later. And what he, hint, what he meant by that is figuring out what you need to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis so that you can hit that goal so that every single day you're not waking up, open up your computer, trying to figure out how am I going to go knock down this quota that you've been given, but rather how can I go figure out how many accounts do I need to research? Who do I need to contact? How do I need to loop in people internally? How do I need to think about building ROI? All the things that goes go into a strong selling campaign. Those are your systems. Those are your habits. And those are more important than goals. So that's number one for me. All right, Griff, what about you? Flip it back to you. That's a solid pick. I like that. I think it's good. Um, so for me, the when I think back, 10 years ago when I started in sales, I think the first thing that I would tell my, let's call it 24, 25 year old self is that everything is negotiable. And when I say everything is negotiable, I mean internally and externally. And so be prepared. So externally, when you, when you, when you are a, uh, a rep and you, you, you look at negotiation from a pricing perspective, I think you get so focused on not pissing people off or not overstepping or stepping on toes, or you feel like you're not coming from a position of any leverage. That's not the case at all. You are there as a rep to provide value. And one of the ways that you can provide value is by negotiating and becoming and understanding that. And what is your leverage really asking the senior leaders like, Hey, how have you seen the best negotiations go down externally learning that craft? And if you can do that, you, you will separate yourself immediately from the rest of the pack. If you do know how to negotiate with customers and prospects successfully, number one, number two is internally, everything is negotiable. Your territory, your accounts, your comp plan, your, your OTE, your pay, like everything, especially that side of it is negotiable. And it's your job as a seller to kind of navigate like, okay, how do I ha gain some leverage? And you have more than you think, just have that confidence to negotiate as much as you possibly can, because it, it really, you do have a lot of value as a, as a rep, especially if you're performing. So that's, that's my number one. 
Yeah, that's great. There's, well, I like what you said there, um, especially internally. We forget that a lot of times, and I think that there's a there's a fine line of of entitlement and performing. Like you mentioned right at the end, you can negotiate and have that leverage as long as you are performing. So uh, I think it's put your head down, do the work, and then you can start to have those conversations versus the other way around. But yeah. that's a great point for sure. All right, what do you got? So number two for me is don't be afraid to challenge your prospects. Early on in my career, and even sometimes today, you you just kind of go along with the flow. If, if a prospect is, is telling you one thing of, hey, this is what I'm seeing in the market, or we're not ready for this, or we don't have budget, or whatever the quote-unquote objection is, your job as a seller is to lead, to guide, to navigate. And you got to remember that you are the expert in your product. You should be the expert in whatever you're selling, your field, your industry. So it's okay to, to challenge your prospect and to say, you know, why don't you have the budget? A lot of other customers use social proof are planning their, their budgets for next year. Here's some ways that we're getting creative to get our solution in or to get whatever you're, you're driving towards. in. so, um, don't be afraid to challenge their process. Don't be afraid to challenge them questioning you on certain things. And it doesn't need to be a place of, of being combative, but it's, it's a place of trust and understanding conflict. As long as it's coming from a good place will often create stronger bonds between you and your champion and your, and your buyers. So I would say, don't be afraid to challenge. Don't be afraid to, um, know your worth. Like you said on last point and, and lead and guide the conversation coming out the gates hot. I love it. Yeah, All right. I, number two for you. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I think to your point, you, you it, it's more about the practice of challenging the prospect and saying and, and getting in that rhythm uh, so that you become a more confident seller. Yeah, because you may challenge a seller and they come back and they're prepared and they're and they shut you down. But you might start challenging prospects and they go, you know what, you're right. Hold on. Let me let me see about that process. Or actually, you know what, as we as we talk about it more, I'm understanding your perspective. Just just that practice of challenging the prospects more, you become more confident as a seller. Totally agree. Um, so my number two, which is, so we'll call it fourth overall, you are more valuable than you think. Mm. That would be the main message. If I could tell like one, uh, one of the key messages I would tell my younger self getting into sales is you have more value than you think you do. I mean, you're walking into an environment where you, you feel like you're at the low end of the totem pole. You're smiling and dialing uh you don't really know your way around it's like if you are in there day in day out getting in early staying late hitting your kpis and even hitting your numbers you're a walking dream for a sales organization now being in here for 10 years seeing that people fall off the cliff after a year or they lose steam or they go they can't hack it in sales like those people are going to weed themselves out and if you just stay with it and you are performing like it's extremely valuable to the company you're working for, the you know the 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 product solutions you're selling. They do not want to lose you. That's my point. If they do this this company. If you are hitting your numbers, doing the things that you're supposed to be doing as a sales rep, they don't want to lose you. Know that going into number one, a negotiation. So I just I would hammer home that you have value within the organization. Know that. Be confident and have a little bit of swagger. That's a great point. Griff, have you ever heard of the, the skill will matrix before? I wrote it, dude. I invented it. You wrote it. Yeah, of course you did. But that's what, 
That's what made, uh, when you're talking, it made me think of that, where there's the x-axis, the y-axis, and then skill and will on the other side. And I, and when new hires start, managers are always looking for people with high will. They don't necessarily need to have high skill because that can be trained. But if you are somebody that walks in and has the high will, like you mentioned, that has a desire to stay late, to learn, to seek help, to give help, and to do the training, they're going to invest in you and like you just said, they're going to see you as a super valuable person. So don't be afraid to not understand every single thing of the product. That's where the learning and experience comes in. But just make sure you have that that high will leading into that that role. So great yeah, point. 100%. All right. Number, number five, take it over to you. So kind of along that vein, mindset is everything. In sales, there's so many ups, but there's a lot of downs. There's way more downs than ups just to be really honest. And I think if you've been in sales for a month, you understand that already. It doesn't take long to to get that picture. So for me, mindset is everything. And it it's like you need to wake up and you need to renew, you need to refresh, you need to read good books, you need to listen to good podcasts. I'm a big believer in getting around community. That's why we started this podcast. That's why Griffin and I have become such good friends, because we understand the value of going in this and, and getting in the trenches with somebody that has the same mindset as you. I think in this virtual world, it's gotten really easy where you can roll out of bed, uh, don't even have to put pants on and you can go to work. It's literally gotten to that easy where it's like, where's, where's the, not the dignity, but like, where's the, the swagger to your point earlier, Griff of getting up, putting on a collared shirt, fixing your hair, listening to a motivational tape, calling up somebody getting hyped up for the day and like getting after it like that that is a lost art i think in sales today because of this virtual world so to me mindset is everything and if you don't take that seriously you don't listen to good good stuff you're gonna get down and you're gonna stay down so especially in 2023 where the economy is challenging it doesn't need to be if you continue to lean in and press into your mindset yeah i totally agree i, I don't even like frankie but he's got a great mindset and that's why i stick around him <laughs> He's got, hey, he just man. rubbed off on you, you know. Cut this yeah. thing off right now. <laughs> We're done. You're 100% right, man. I mean, the the Dave Domink, uh, former guest, talked about mindset, the winners win mindset. And it's just you have to keep your eye on the prize and uh, be able to ignore the BS outside yeah. of the, the in sort of that negativity. And if you can have a positive mindset, I think that's one of the biggest assets that a mm -hmm. seller, especially a new seller can have is that, that positive mindset. Cause people are going to be, want to be around you. Customers are going to want to buy from you. Um, that is the name of the game mindset. Yeah. Great. Pick. All right. You're up. All right. So, so number six on the list, I've got creativity is arguably the most underrated skill for a sales rep. So when you think about the skills, the characteristics of a sales rep, I mean, obviously mindset, positivity, charisma, curiosity, like genuine curiosity is a superpower in sales. I think those are all well-documented, but I think creativity is a very underrated skill and not a lot of people think that sales is a creative profession. Which is true. I mean, a lot of times, if you allow it to be, right, if you just get in that lane of volume sales, smiling and dialing, just hammering the customer, trying to get your right pricing, like, that is not a strategic, that's not a creative role. 
But when you look at pipeline generation, how can I be more creative than my peers when it comes to pipeline generation? Everyone's doing this. I want to go this way. Try this new thing. I want to experiment. Negotiations. What's worked? What hasn't? Like working with the client, like just every process within sales, there's opportunities to be creative. And it's there's really it's up to you to study where you can apply creativity along that process. Uh, so that would be one of the more underrated skills. And I would tell my younger self, like just day to day, week over week, really start thinking outside of the box when you feel like you're just going through the motions. If you're going through the motions when it comes to pipeline generation, discovery, putting a presentation together, running a demo, et cetera, running a meeting you have tons of opportunities to be creative. So that would be, that would be my big recommendation to uh, a younger self getting into stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I thought I agree with you where uh, in my mind, I was like, Oh, I'm in sales. So I, I'm not creative. Like that's what I told myself for the longest time. Yeah. But when you start to understand the process and it becomes inherent of, it's just, it's kind of runs in the back end, the process, you can go and get creative. I, I heard a story of a sales leader put um, a slide that he usually would present um, with all of the research and bullet points of what they knew about the company. And he put it on a cake and he, he hand delivered it to the person. He ended up like closing one of the biggest deals of his life because he was willing to take a PowerPoint slide and put it on a freaking cake and give it to somebody. So it's like, nothing is out of the question. <laughs> that wins. That, that's a winner. Yeah. All right. So I'll move on to my next one. So, Mine is have a mentor and be a mentor. So what do I mean by this? Um, and actually, I think there's a third piece of this. You should always be learning from somebody. So you should have a mentor. You should always be running with somebody at the same speed. So that's like an example of, of me and Griff. And then you should always be pulling somebody up, the next generation and the next seller. And I think that's just good because um, you want to have that board of directors that you can learn from. You want to have somebody that has kind of gone to the future 30 years from now. Let's take let's take two, tw 2023 recession. I personally have never been through a recession as a seller, but other people have. So I can go and talk to mentors that have that have been through a recession. Hey, what did you do during this time frame? What was your mindset? How did you shift the way that you sell? And then you get to have that conversation with your peers and then you can go um, impart some wisdom into the next generation. And even if you've only been selling for one day or, you know, multiple years, there's always somebody that you can be teaching and you can be helping to grow to that next level. And I just think whenever you teach somebody something, you ingrain that in your memory more and it's, it's imparted into you, uh, even more than just learning it from somebody else. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think on the part of the mentor, if you don't know where to start, or if you are feeling uh, not very confident, just ask. You'd be surprised yeah. at how many people are willing to be a mentor that want to share their knowledge that maybe they didn't think that anybody wanted to know. They, they'd be happy to share, number one. And then number two, on the flip side, it's like, I can't think of a more valuable, you know, situation where I've got a young rep or somebody that wants to learn from me. I mean, that's 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 a very rewarding yeah situation and relationship to uh to really keep it going just don't just don't ask somebody to pick their brain <laughs> come yeah. 
come with come with a perspective, a thoughtful comment, read an article or a podcast they were on and ask them for their time. Don't just say, hey, can I pick your brain? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so moving on, number eight, right? So for me, I gave you a little teaser in this in my, in my last one, but um, again, going back early in the career, if I could tell my younger self that genuine, genuine curiosity is a superpower in the profession of sales. So a lot of people place the charisma high above everything else and the positive attitude, which are very key and interpersonal communication skills. Are they an extrovert? Like they have high emotional intelligence. All of that is great, but I think that it sort of boils up into the best sellers I've ever seen are genuinely curious about how things work internally, externally, how the world works. Like this is not just a sales um, superpower. This is in life. If you're genuinely curious, ask you, you will naturally ask questions that spark a conversation or spark a new train of thought that I've seen from the best sellers and they've had success with that. And, and that's something that I try and practice every single day when I get on with a prospect. I don't want to just go through discovery for discovery's sake. I don't want to just ask these guys questions to ask them. I'm genuinely curious about their day to day. If you can, it shows you can put yourself in their shoes and have empathy. That yeah, is a superpower in the profession of sales 100%. Yeah. And I think genuine curiosity comes with being willing to to be a human and throw some of the sales process out the window when you're on the phone. I, I think too often we just say, okay, we need to check the box so I can move to the next sales stage or have a good discovery call. But in reality, it's just connect with them on that level and ask them questions about their life, their product, their business, like yeah. you just mentioned. So 100%. great point. So my, my last point is enjoy what you sell, who you sell to and who you work for. I always knew that who you work for was extremely important because that's the person that's going to train you, coach you. You got to spend the most time with them, especially as a new seller. That's the person that's going to help you set, be set up for success. So I would say if you're looking for a job or you just started out, go find somebody that has done what you want to accomplish and is willing to coach and roll their sleeves up with you. The, the first two parts I mentioned, enjoying what you sell and who you sell to, um, this isn't a necessity, but I really think it's it's something that gives you that next level. And the reason I say that is because I've sold products where I believe in the product. I know it's a good fit, but I'm talking to people that, you know, maybe not in the normal circles I would run with. And to caveat that in sales, like you can probably get along with anybody, but there's something to be said about actually being willing to spend time with your prospects, with your customers and actually enjoy the conversations and maybe you actually would be friends with them in quote unquote real life. That just makes you more engaged in the conversation. It makes you more willing to do research when you're not, you know, in working hours, just something you think about on a day to day basis. So if you can find a product, if you can find buyers that are within your interest, it's, it's an even better, even more superpower than just selling something that's a good product. Totally agree. I think, again, knowing your value, you don't have to say yes at the first job. You don't have to just take a job for a job's sake. Like if you are truly a, a student of sales and you're you're willing to go down that that path, 
you have to like the people you have to enjoy the people that you sell with and that you work with that you're going to learn from like you have to prioritize that and if you can also be passionate about what you're selling it will come through in the sale i mean i like like you i sold a product that was in need to have but it was something that i didn't know and i didn't have personal experience with now selling a sales automation software it comes through in your genuine pitch that I, w I was in the dark and now I see the light. You know what I mean? Like that, that level of authenticity when you're pitching or when you're going through an overview of a product, it's just, it makes it so much easier for you as a, as a seller. So absolutely totally agree. Awesome. All right. Hey, bring us home here, Griff. All right. So my last one is a little tactical, but it's something that I think will set you apart from 99% of sellers that are just starting out and will help you when negotiating comp and get you a bigger base and OTU, which is a big part of sales, which is learn med pick, learn med pick. <laughs> I went into, I was at a company that did ha had no, uh, you know, significant, uh, no consistent sales qualification process. I went and interviewed at a company that was, I would call it very data-driven sales process. They had very serious students of the game as reps and leaders. They were offering double my OTE, double from what I had heard from the rest of the market was offering for a rep at that stage in their career. And I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is really impressive. And one of the first questions they asked me was, are you familiar with MedPick? Because that's that's a need to have at this company if you're going to be a rep here. And I had no idea what they were talking about. And it's basically, now we know, the one of the most consistent sales qualification methodologies out there that you're used by, you know, some of the best sales teams out there. If you can learn that process and Bant and Sandler, all these other sales process, that will open up doors to data-driven sales and strategic selling. And if you can learn that and that process and those people that are teaching it and you're really a student of the game, that will, again, open up doors for you. And I really think open up more of the creative, creative side of sales and hopefully get you some big paydays. Like that ultimately was the big driver for the med pit qualification was that's how you close big deals is learning yeah. qualification methodology. So pretty tactical last one, but definitely a must have must know if I was going back telling myself 10, nine, 10 years ago. Yeah. Learn that. No, it's great. It's a great point. And I, I think beyond being able to qualify yourself for big payday jobs and even big, big uh, logos and big paychecks, what it does, it, it helps you um, not waste time with people that can't buy, right? You're not if so you're not spending time with with a company that doesn't have a champion or doesn't have budget or need or any of that stuff. So it's going to help you sell more as well. So it's a great point. All right, so let's wrap it up. Let's go down, recap the list. Why don't you go first pick your you, you know, you go and I'll, 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 I'll do mine as well. All right, so systems and goal systems over goals is my number one. Number one for me, everything is negotiable internally and externally, so be prepared. Don't be afraid to challenge your prospect. You are more valuable than you think. Mindset's everything. Number six, creativity is an underrated skill as a sales rep. Think outside the box. 
Number seven is have a mentor and be a mentor. Number eight, genuine curiosity is a superpower in sales. Number nine is enjoy what you sell, who you sell to, and who you work for. Number 10, wrapping it up, learn to qualify, learn med pick. You're going to close some big deals, make some big commission checks. Hopefully you found this episode valuable. Let us know if you have any questions, subscribe, like, rate us. Appreciate the support, all listeners. Thanks again. Signing off. Thanks.